Hey everybody, welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. If you have enjoyed the show, we would love it if you would take just a minute to go onto iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a rating or a review. It really helps get the show in front of more people. Thanks so much for listening and welcome to Season 2. Welcome to Engaging Culture, a podcast presented by Bridgeway Christian Church. I'm Brian Kiley, and on today's episode, my co-host, Pastor Lance Hahn, and I are joined by Anthony Seiler. Anthony is a longtime member of Bridgeway, and he and his family have thought a lot about how their faith can inform the way they approach their money and possessions. The three of us are going to have a conversation about the connection between money, faith, and contentment, and how we can leverage our financial resources in a way that glorifies God, serves people, and puts us on a path to contentment. That and more on this episode of Engaging Culture. Well, hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Engaging Culture Podcast. Brian Kiley joined, as always, by... The one and only Lance Hahn. Lance I Hahn. am here. I feel older in season two than I did in season one. Well, it's because you are. Oh, well, fantastic. Yeah. You know what my wife actually pointed out? She's like, wow, you have a lot more gray hairs now. She wow. just pointed that out to me. Ain't marriage great. Yeah. yeah. I was like, what the heck? I'm yeah. trying to live in denial here, and, and I'm not I'm not going to dye my hair. Not, just letting you know that. Well, that is a relief to all of us. It is, so, isn't it, though? Really is everyone in the audience writing this stuff down? <laughs> this is very important. Important life stuff here. But hey, this is pretty cool. Like, we're officially into the second year of the Engaging Culture podcast. Like, that's kind of a neat milestone. That is a neat milestone. And honestly, I really enjoyed this whole process. I yeah. love this stuff. Anytime we get into practical things, as well as theoretical things, right? I think that you and I kind of get up in our heads quite a bit. And mm-hmm. and so whenever we can bring it back down to practicality, I think that's fantastic. Yep. Totally agree. So uh, thanks to all of you who have listened through season one, and we're excited for a lot of good stuff here uh, in season two, which starts off with our good friend, Anthony Seiler. Anthony, thanks for being on the show today. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Lance. Happy to be here. Yeah. Really appreciate you being here. As we said in the intro, you've been a part of Bridgeway how long now? Gosh, 11 years. 11 yeah, years. 11 years. And you and I were just talking like five minutes ago about how I think we first met, gosh, that would have been my junior year, your freshman year of high school. So I don't want to think about how long ago Now I feel was. old. <laughs> yes. Right. That was a really, really long time ago, but been super fun getting reconnected these last few years here at uh, here at Bridgeway. And I love it. Anyway, we're just really excited. That Out you... of the 11 years you've been here, I've liked you for nine. Yeah. It's good. That's right. so... I thought it was six, so we're, we're, it's good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going good. Honestly, I, I just... I just got to tell the listeners right now just just about Anthony. I gave him a shout out, right? I gave him a shout out yeah, from the pulpit the other day um, in highlighting out the reason why we have him here on the podcast is because there's a lot of people that talk a lot about a lot of stuff and there are some people that, that live it. And so uh, when it comes to the issues that we're going to be addressing today, the issues of generosity, the issues of money um, and time and margin, things like that, um, Anthony and his wife, Julie, have done um, an extraordinary job of actually trying to live that stuff out right now mm-hmm. nothing's perfect and we'll talk about sure. that but as far as intentionality and purposeful living um, especially in this area man I I can't wait to hear all the knowledge that's going to roll out of this guy um, and also um, it, it doesn't mean that he's an expert it means that he's a practitioner and that that's super key um, I remember a, a, a while back you had actually contacted me and Anthony and and we'll get into this more and more and more as we let uh, actually Pastor Brian drive the ship here. But but I just want to put it out there for everyone to know that you had contacted me and said, I went through a program recently on generosity and generous living, and Pastor Lance, I'd love to actually just sit down and talk with you about it. Now, the reason why I highlight that is, number one, I was put on notice that somebody had that information, mm-hmm. um, but it also made me keep an eye out towards you, and then what I've watched is ever since then, I've watched you walk it out, which is way bigger of a, what, a commercial? for, for That it was legit, right? It wasn't, I heard new information, I want to share new information sure. with you. So anyway, I didn't mean to hijack your job there, Pastor Brian. That's all right. That's uh, that's totally okay. And, you know, I'll, I, I hate to pile on compliments most of the time, but... Anthony's such a good dude that like I would never do this for you, but I'll do Clearly. it. I'll do it. I'll do it for him. Is that uh, you know I'm excited to hear from you too, and and just Lance used this word a second ago. I think about you and the way you live your life. I always, man, I, I've said to you personally, like any excuse to like get together, I'm like I'm all for it, and I I love the fact that when I think about the way you think through your life, it's just it's intentional. It's not random. It's not well. We'll see how this goes. I mean, of course, there's 
you know, mystery and everything. Sure. But you guys have really thought through uh, how you want to live your life, what your values are, what you want to do with the resources you have. And, and I think that's really amazing. So as we kind of dive in, Anthony, you're just, you're someone who has thought a lot about money and possessions and how to, how to use it best. Like Lance said, you've been through some different training that has really helped you out a lot. Can you just tell us a little bit of your story in developing the perspective that, that you and your wife have when it comes to money and possessions? Sure. Absolutely. So again, with, I, I always lead with, you have to have your wife or your spouse on board with you, 100% of it. There is no, I'm leading this. It is Julie and I, our family, lock hips every step. Mm -hmm. And so at the core or at a high cursory glance, we've just realized that 100% of everything that we have, whether a lot or a little, is the Lord's Amen. 100%. Mm-hmm. And that's there's no wiggle room. There's no room for discrepancy. It is 100% his, not 10%, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And good. after that, everything just seems to fall into place. Yeah. And so when we talk about things like margin and thankfulness and contentment, that original mindset of 100% of everything we have is the Lord's. Mm-hmm. After that, it's pretty easy to live it out because I'm just living on like borrowed goods in a sense, <laughs> right? Yeah. And it's at my discretion to have, to be a good steward with that. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people would, <clears throat> would hear that and they would say, okay, functionally yeah, or, or philosophically, yes, I agree. The earth is Lord's and everything in it, sure. and the, you know, all of that. Can you just maybe give us some examples of how that has worked itself out practically in your life? Because I would suspect that, again, a lot of us would agree philosophically, but then they would say, okay, like what, what are the real kind of boots on the ground implications of that. Absolutely. That's that's a great question. So to get practical, I'll bring up the topic of margin Mm -hmm. and not just margin in finances, but margin in time, margin in relationships. Mm -hmm. If, and I was thinking about this in in preparation and just, just the last week in my life, if I'm busy going from place to place, I have no room to talk to somebody at the mailbox. Nope. If Mm -hmm. I'm shuttling kids around with sporting events every evening, I have no room to have a neighbor over for dinner. And if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, with zero margin, I have no room to bless others. Hmm. And it's not just the blessing of it. It's We have this equation as uh, in our house, and it's contentment plus margin equals the ability to see opportunity. And that's all I try to do is have margin to see opportunities. Well, if the holy, if we truly believe that we should be scripture-soaked and spirit-led, which is kind of a big focus mm-hmm. here at Bridgeway— and to be spirit-led means there has to be room for the spirit to move. What if the spirit really does lead, but you have no room to carry it out, right? I mean, isn't this That's the, the whole point yeah. that you're creating a lifestyle that is purposefully open for the direction of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Now, one thing just to, to bounce back... Um, I think that we all get caught up into these selfish little games, and one of the games is that I earned it, it's mine. Um, Yet you said it is all the Lord's, right? So now I've taught on this, I've preached on this, but it's much more fun when someone else preaches on it rather than me. Um, But I think that that it's a fallacy to say, I worked for it, it's mine. Can you unpack why that's a fallacy? Gosh, uh, it, the only thing I can go back to is what I read in, in scripture. Yeah. And that's it. And, and what you, again, what you put your priorities in, what you put your life energy into is going to direct your thinking, your priorities and your mindset. So are you hanging around people where there's a lot of comparison? Are you, are you watching things that are just glorifying the highs of life and never the lows? Yeah. Mm. But if you're scripture soaked and again, going back to your priorities, Mm-hmm. And I have to do this for myself every day. If I don't do it tomorrow, I'm going to get off course yeah. and I'll get off track. And it's super easy to do that This is yeah. with the societal norms and the bigger and better game and comparing myself to other people. But no, God, I, and I always tell Julie this that when we're talking, God made you the way you are. Start acting like it. Like <laughs> it, there is no other, other Brian, there's no other Lance. Live it out, blaze a trail, be yourself. Yeah. And and the comparison just dwindles at that point, just it's, falls off. It's so good. I love that idea of be careful, you know, who you're surrounded by, who you're listening to, right? Mm-hmm. Because if you're always watching the Kardashians, <laughs> right, Brian? Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. No, he doesn't. I totally am just messing Never with him. Never more than once a week. Yeah, yeah, right. It's DVR'd, right? right? It's right. DVR'd. <laughs> uh, but, you know, once again, I remember there was, a, there was an old show um, 
called The Rich and Famous. Do you remember that? Robin yeah. Leach. Lifestyles guy, of the Lifestyles rich and of the Okay, so here's the deal. And then it shifted over to MTV Cribs. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. So uh all these are still way <laughs> old shows. I don't know what they are now. Yeah. But um let's say, for example, um you're not necessarily even just watching those, but you're watching the Home and Garden Channel. Sure. And everything is about, you know what, uh, we're a young couple and we're going to buy a house in Manhattan and, you know, and we need somebody to go out and help us find our $1.2 million condo. Okay, if that is all you hear, then you say, my $65,000 a year is chump change. Yeah. And yet I was, I was watching the other day, and I, this is not a political statement. It's simply that I like movies. <laughs> um, Woman Walks Ahead uh, by Jessica Ch- with Jessica Chastain. I was watching this movie, and it was, it's a semi-true story based on true events where a painter, single painter lady, uh, went uh, out in the middle of nowhere and began to have a relationship and talk with Sitting Bull who was, you know, we're going back into the Cowboys and Indians mm-hmm. type time, and she wanted to paint Sitting Bull. But I was watching just living off nothing. Um, all these poor areas and people just scraping to get by. When you are watching that, all of a sudden your $65,000 a year seems like uber luxury and abundance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so just the wisdom you were bringing up, what is constantly filling you? Is there a comparison with this or with that? Are we talking the slums of Rio? Are we talking about the brickyards of Mexico? Or are we talking about the the millionaires that are all in Malibu? Yeah. 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 No, that's exactly right. I, I Certainly, comparison is a big deal. And if you, no matter how much you make, no matter really, and not just financially, but whatever's going on in your life, if you choose to obsess over comparing yourself to somebody who you perceive has more... Mm-hmm. Number one, you're you personally are going to be miserable. There is Absolutely. there is no benefit to you in that. Number two, you are probably almost certainly going to undervalue the challenges that the person you are envying has. Oh sure, right? Like it is. I mean, every everybody's fighting some sort of battle. So this notion that oh they've got a bigger house, they've got a bigger car, they've got a better job, they're above me <laughs> on the on the org chart or you know whatever the case may be, boy they must really have it made. Like I don't know about you guys. Like I've met lots of people who live with a sense of of gratitude, and mm-hmm. I try to do that as my, myself. But I've never met somebody who just sort of walks around and their posture is like, "Man, I've just I've got life just dialed in." Oh yeah, I'm complete. I've no, figured I've it out completely. No. So so we all look at other people, think that they're living that way, and they're just they're just not. And everybody's right. on a different journey. Everyone's on a different walk. I love to see successful people that live in abundance. Yeah. What I love more than that is to see them show abundance to other people as well. Yeah. I love that. The $1.2 million condo, the boats, the cars, the this, I love that. Are you bringing people alongside with you? Yeah. In that $1.5 million home, are we entertaining? Are, we, are people entering your house and leaving more filled up, more edified, and better than when they arrived. Yeah. Well, that's what's so I beautiful. It. I mean, it, the the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's mm-hmm. actually a, a more accurate translation of that yeah. whole piece. And, and, and it's interesting because, Pastor Brian, you just preached this last uh, weekend mm-hmm. on the idea of, um, it says, and to the rich I say, and then it gives them instructions. Yeah. You were reading out of 1 Timothy 6. Right. And what's interesting is what it does not say. It does not say, and I say to the rich, don't be rich. Mm-hmm. It yeah. actually says, and, it, and I say to the rich, as if that is a group that God's working with, and now what are you going to do with it? Um, one thing I also wanted to clarify, when we were talking about who is around you and who you're connecting with, there's nothing wrong with hanging with people that have money, but why are you hanging out with them? I, what I love is being around people that strive. Mm. Yeah. I like being around people that are successful and they strive because it helps me lift up to do more. But at the same time, there's a backside to that. If, for example, you're surrounded by people that are workaholics and that have nothing to do with their families, um, but you just want to be around the money and the wealth, mm-hmm. that those are where things get a little bit tricky. You always have to ask yourself, why am I hanging with this person? And what ultimately am I getting from them? Yeah. What type of vibe am I going to absorb? 
Absolutely. Right. Yeah, no, that's good. Anthony, I love what you said a minute ago, your little equation here. Contentment plus margin is the ability to see opportunity. Can you talk to us a little bit about contentment? Like, what is your what is your perspective on how you personally find contentment? And, and what do we need to understand just generally? What do our listeners need to understand about how to just how to live with a sense of contentment instead of being overwhelmed by discontent and comparison and all that stuff? Sure. So a couple couple things. And the first one comes across a little brash, but the, the <laughs> contentment of I don't care what anybody thinks. That yeah. helps tremendously in the idea of contentment. I don't. Yeah. It's myself, it's Julie, it's Lily and Lynn, and we live for the Lord and that's it. The other thing I always think about is someone else today is praying for something that we already have. Hmm. And that's, that's the good. same for everybody here. Yeah. They're praying for something we already have. Yeah. Their answer to prayers in our pocket. Exactly. Yeah. We have that. Mm-hmm. And the, the idea of contentment is this. It, it can't be circumstantial. It, hmm. We can't be yeah. content when we have a lot and be miserable when we don't. And so I always challenge Julie and can we be the same family unit, do the same things we do in a one-bedroom apartment. Because guess what? We're the same family in any four walls. Mm-hmm. And if we can master that there, we can do we could do anything and mm-hmm. live anywhere and keep that same contentment level. Yeah. 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 No, that's good. I I I love your brash statement. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. you know, well, cuz and I, and I and I hear your heart in it. It's sure. not like, "Oh, I'm going to go off and be reckless and irresponsible and I don't care what anybody else thinks." It's this sense of I'm not going to let other people live my life for me. It's right? exactly right. Yes. And 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 it's I feel like Amen. And that's such a big deal. Uh, I mean, I talk about this with my wife. I talk about this with different people in pastoral settings. Uh, just this sense of personal agency, yeah. right? That, that you have some say in how you live your life and you can outsource that to other people if you want to. Mm-hmm. But I mean, even even recently I did a devotional with our staff where I was I was one of the questions or I was one of the things I was presenting to them was just this reality that if you don't set your priorities, somebody else will. Oh, yeah. And and if we allow ourselves to be guided by, oh, well, I need to meet all of these different expectations as opposed to who has God called me to be, what is important to me, not what is important to my neighbor, not what is important to the other people at my company, what mm-hmm. is not what is important as I'm trying to, you know, maintain some measure of status in the community, whatever, what are my values and mm-hmm. what's important to me? And am, am I being true to those values? And... and and I have to believe, and I, I found this in my own life, that contentment comes a lot more from being true to that than it does from having bigger, better, more, keeping up with the Joneses, blah, blah, blah. Absolutely. Right? And there's a flip side to that because when you're content, you can be truly happy for others yep. that get a raise, a promotion, that buy a bigger home, that yep. buy things and and be so joyful in their experience. Yeah. Because you're content with yeah. what you have. You can celebrate success without envy. Yes. Right? There's no angle. Oh, oh, yeah. That's one thing that it, there's no angle. There's no um, agenda, nothing. It yeah. is, I like you for who you are. Yep. And, and we. it's not because of what we give each other. That's it. Yeah. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I'm friends with you guys is what I get. Yeah. All the, um, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I think that sometimes we we miss how much we do things for what other people think. And uh, it, it, so, like, there's this there's a caricature right on TV, or there's a stereotype where there's the keeping up with the Joneses, where they're watching their neighbor and saying their neighbor has a Jaguar, so now I need to have this. I, I think those people are a small percentage of society. The actual I'm going to strive to equal my community. I think it's all much more subtle than that. I think it's much more insidious than that. I think that when you look through and say, why do I shop where I shop? You may think I'm not trying to keep up with anybody, but why Why do you shop where you shop? Um, so for four years, I... Um, I worked at Ross Dress for Less, right? So we're talking about when I was 16 years old, bam, (laughs) that was one of my first jobs. I worked at Ross Dress, and I remember uh, getting all the clothes in, right? And I would talk to different people, and they were like, oh, you work at Ross, right? It was kind of (laughs) like, that's embarrassing. And I remember as I was sorting the clothes, all the tags and what stores they were from. Hmm. And it was like, oh, you can either pay... $55 $55 for this at Macy's, or you can pay $28 for it at Ross. It's the same thing. We actually got it from them. 
Now, sometimes there's a bunch of different reasons, just so you all know. I want to be clear and honest about my Ross in connection here. <laughs> um, some of those things, there's reasons why they got them cheaper and there's stuff like that. You know, maybe it was not as great a seller or it could have been reasons like different sewing pieces on there, whatever. But here's the thing. They were, I remember walking, because I've been in retail quite a bit in my earlier life. I I saw them everywhere. I saw all the same clothes. Now, once again, why are you shopping where you're shopping? Mm -hmm. Is it that you think, is there really a difference in clothing? Or is there a difference in vibe and feel? Do you have certain things? Do you have to have certain things on your clothes? And, And the reason why, you have to ask, why would I even notice this? It's because of your influences. Mm-hmm. there's people around you and, and you get the idea. Oh, well, we all drive minivans. Mm-hmm. Oh, we all wear khakis. Oh, we all, you know what I'm saying? And you start, you don't realize that you're not a huge fashion obsessed person, but why do you make the choices you make? It's because of the people you hang with. Right. Yeah. Exactly right. No, that's absolutely true. And um, when we allow the environments that we're in to assert that kind of authority over us, that creates all sorts of problems. And that gets back to what you're saying, Anthony, about just kind of not caring not what ca- yes. people think. And just, I don't know. There's so many, so many challenges. And I don't, and not just from a selfish perspective, there's so many challenges that come from sort of being at the mercy of needing the approval of others based on how we act, based on what we say, based on what we possess. I mean, it, it just. Exactly. It just does not go anywhere good. Take that example, uh, Pastor Lance, what you mentioned with the shirt. $55 shirt, and you could buy it for 28 nearly half, right? Yeah. It does something else, too. It gives you, now you're living off of 50% of what you could have done. Now you can buy someone else's shirt for $25. Yes. But take that and magnify it. You go on a vacation, mm-hmm. and it's a 10 grand vacation, but you can go for five. Now mm-hmm. you can use that extra money. You could send someone to a destination maybe they've never been before. Mm-hmm. Give them an experience to bond as a family, mm-hmm. a marriage retreat, uh, and anything. It opens the doors to see opportunity. Yeah, uh, watch right. that. I watched that in my own life. Yeah. When, I, when I crossed the 20-year mark here at Bridgeway, I had a bunch of congregation members, um, some of them leaders, some of them lay people. They, they bought my family a vacation in Hawaii. Uh, we would have never been able to afford that vacation. And, and it was because none of those people were, uh, grossly wealthy that, Mm -hmm. that sent us as, you know, um, it was people that ended up either sacrificing or having margin Mm -hmm. that actually made that true. And that is to this day, my daughter's favorite trip. And, and, and Andy, my little one, she's still playing reggae. (laughs) <laughs> it is hilarious. Now, I did not tell her that reggae is not from Hawaii. It's actually from Jamaica. That's right. But in her mind, Let there her was, hey, man, it <laughs> yeah, was Isles. Right. And she is, and whenever she wants to get into her Hawaii groove, man, we got the little, I need someone to lava. I don't know if you oh, guys yeah. ever saw that from Moana, that little video. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're, we're doing over the rainbow with ukuleles. I mean, it's, and it was that family trip that was purchased by somebody else. Yep. Yep. A great uh, example. Yeah, no, that is a great example. Now, we're we're talking about all of these different things related to I think I mean there's a stewardship component to a lot of this. Sure. Not just stewarding dollars, but stewarding sort of our emotions and our influences <laughs> and and all of that stuff. And and I think we've shared some some helpful perspectives on okay, how we start to wrestle with this and, and we'll get into the practicalities of, of money money and possessions in a minute. But I don't want to give anybody the impression that any one of the three of us has this completely locked down. And we would say, oh, boy, yeah. you know, Not I think I have advanced to maximum generosity and, you know, maximum open handedness and all of that. So I'm currently in debt. <laughs> <laughs> so so maybe it would be helpful. Could the three of us uh, just maybe briefly share what are some challenges that uh, that we've faced in seeking to live generously and seeking to to live with an open hand? What what are some challenges that that we've faced? Yeah. So immediately, I think of a challenge, and this is an initial challenge that everyone will face when when you choose to live off of less or you choose to be generous or something. Immediately, you're going to have this fear of missing out. Yeah. That's what psychologically is going to happen. If I do this, I don't yep. get to do that. And yeah. it's the fear of missing out. That's, mm-hmm. that's the initial reaction of, of why people don't, don't pull the trigger yeah. oftentimes. Yeah. No, I think it's that's the fear of missing right. out. Yeah. I would, I would add in um, probably the most significant thing I've seen through the years is personal financial chaos. 
Mm-hmm. I think that people really want, they have really good hearts mm-hmm. and they really want to help out, but their finances are so in disorder yeah. that they can't do what their heart wants them to do. Yeah. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, generous is, generosity is something you prepare for, right? I mean, I talked about that this last weekend. And if, and but if, I think that's powerful. Can you repeat yeah. some of that, that, that concept? Well, uh, generosity is something you prepare for in that if, if you rely on kind of an emotional moment, oh, I see a television commercial or some guy gets up in church and talks about X, Y, and Z, or somebody corners me at the you know grocery mm-hmm. store, you know, walking out and I give money to this and that. I'm like, okay, I'll just give to get out of this or whatever the case may be. <laughs> if you rely on those moments, you're never really going to be generous. You might give emotionally, occasionally, but generosity is not really going to be a part of your life. Generosity comes when you prepare. Now, that's not to say there can't be spontaneous times of generosity. I think we've all had those. Mm -hmm. But if I consistently am going to make sure that a percentage of dollars is getting outside of my kingdom and into God's kingdom, outside of my kingdom to bless other people, you got to prepare for it. And, And it's not just preparing for what you give. If you're going to be able to give, you have to prepare, what am I spending on my house? What mm-hmm. am I spending on my cars? What am I spending on, you know, in my case, student loan, student loan repayment? You know, what am I spending on groceries? How, much, how often am I eating out? In my case, where are my King's tickets? You know, <laughs> <laughs> different things like that. I have to, you got to plan for all of that. And when you plan, you're prepared uh, to be generous. But, you know, and I'll just be honest, I found in my, like literally this crossed my mind on June 1st. We do all of our giving for the month at the beginning of the month. We do our, you know, that's just how we, plan out our budget is literally as I'm on my phone, you know, doing my giving to Bridgeway and you know, that's how I do it. Like there's part of me, I'll just be honest. That's just thinking, man, that's a lot of money. I could do other stuff with it. Like that crosses my mind. I've been, I've been giving my whole, whole employed life and that still crosses my mind. And I Mm -hmm. think that when that becomes, and as much as giving is a non-negotiable in my life, I just can't imagine like so many things that would get cut before that, that at least crosses my mind. And I, and I think that that, I just want to, say that just so people can know like oh well if i'm generous it must be easy like no. i don't know that it is because i've got junk in my heart that says oh hey you know you could use that for and that's just always going to be there i think 100 percent, 100 percent. every every day every month it's a it's a decision right you have to be intentional about it and you're right you do have to prepare for it right yeah there's a lot of things you can do with that money that you would give but god's PL doesn't work like ours does. He can take what we give and as we see throughout scripture and do some amazing things with right. it. That's the trust we have to have as stewards right. to say, yeah, I I may not want to do this, but I'm also called to do it. And I'll simply do it out of obedience as well. Yeah. The joy comes after. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I was, um, I was challenged one, uh, one period of my life because um, I, I think that I worry about how I'll handle the sacrifice element of giving. And so what I ended up doing is, and I talked about this a little bit in in my message on on money recently, is that I had to get it taken away from me so I don't see it. So the idea, (laughs) I'd like shove it in the back where I was like, just give it to the church, make sure it goes away. I just don't want to look at it. And I got challenged one time because there there is something healthy about having to look at it and make the sacrifice. There is something beautiful in the sacrifice as opposed to the just out of mind. You know what I mean? Um, Now, the way that I've had to kind of balance that is that my giving to the local church, which is kind of, I have to have a percentage, I have to have a consistency Mm -hmm. towards that. um, I try to keep that out of mind. Mm -hmm. Like that money doesn't exist. That was God's in the first place. It's God's now, which once again, all of it's God's, right? Mm -hmm. But the but where I allow myself to engage with sacrifice is the above and beyond that, right? Mm-hmm. So I believe that there are three buckets that Christians need to pour into, uh, at least, right? Um, when we're talking about um, sowing, right? So I think that sowing, we need to sow into the local church because I think that um, many other wise leaders have said the church is the hope of the world. I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree that the church is the hope of the world. doesn't mean – that's why I work here. Right, I, th- I think it is the hope of the world. Mm-hmm. So I think we need to sow into our local church. I think the second bucket is that we need to sow into other believers. Mm-hmm. I think that there's things where it has nothing to do with the local church. It has to do with groceries for uh, this person in church that's struggling. You know what I mean? Or, or, or they don't even go to your church. They go to some other church. But then I think that there's a third bucket that is the most neglected, and that is intentionally sow into the world, people that are not Christians, people that do not know the Lord, where... 
you're not going to get them into church. You're mm. not going. It's not. It's not. It's more about them and the Lord. It's more about just loving on them. Yeah. It's no strings attached. It's we're sowing into the world. You know, Abraham had that that covenant blessing with God. Uh, he God said, "I'm going to bless you over the top, so that you bless everybody mm-hmm. with it. I am blessing you to be a blessing." And I think that's at the heart of everything that we're supposed to be doing. It's yeah. a it's abundant love. It's showing right. abundant love everywhere we go, not right. just in uh, monetary resources, but in everything. Right. There's the acronym LIFE. It's uh, mm-hmm. labor, influence, finance, and expertise. And it's hmm. showing, showing God's abundance in every one of them. Not everyone right. has them all. Most yeah. people don't, but yeah. you have one of them. <laughs> you do. You have expertise yeah. or you have a niche or you can bless people like that. And you can leverage it mm-hmm. for... <laughs> for good, for yeah. ill, for yeah. for personal gain, for the benefit of others, in, in all sorts of all sorts of different ways. Um, Anthony, what other? I mean, just even kind of getting back to to you and Lance and your conversation about just kind of all of the stuff that you've learned through whatever programs you've been through and all of that. Yeah. Any other kind of big picture principles before we move on to some other questions that that you and Julie uh, have have learned and picked up and and been able to apply <laughs> to, to to significant effect in your own lives? There was a concept that I'll never forget. And um, this came from a course we took a long time ago, but it was set your limit. That's what it was called. Hmm. And it was set your lifestyle limit. And you spoke to us a little bit, um, Pastor Brian, uh, Sunday, where you get a raise, you get a windfall, anything, your lifestyle inflation just follows it. Yep. But pick your limit. It doesn't matter. 500, 1,000, anything. Whatever it is, pick your limit that you and set your lifestyle at that and make it a commitment. And it takes two to do so. Mm-hmm. But as you go through life and as you'll probably yield more and make more, you keep that cap. And all of a sudden, your margin, your buffer, your ability to see opportunities grows because you've set your lifestyle at a certain limit. And when your kids challenge you, <laughs> like mine does, it says, yeah. why don't we live in a bigger home? Why don't we drive a nicer car? And you look at them and it's a great lesson. You could say, we could have a fleet of those cars, but what do we sacrifice if we do? Yeah. And we go through the families, the experiences, the this, and it's like, oh. And at six years old, they understand, okay, if I do that, I don't get to do all of this yeah. that we've been able to to do. Yeah. And once again, that's personal agency. Yes. Right? That's determining what's really what's important to you. Yeah. And then what are you willing to sacrifice for <clears throat> the things that you have to do? Because yeah, it... Uh, a nicer car, a bigger house, all of that, it means more work. It mm-hmm. means more stress. It means less margin. It means less. I mean, I know, uh, I don't even think we've had a conversation about this. And I know that experiences are a big deal to you, right? That like you like to have, you like to, if you're going to, if there's one area of your life, we're going to say, <laughs> we're going to devote some resources to this. It's creating great experiences, yes. right? And I think I'm a, I don't know if either of you know anything about the Enneagram, but I'm a seven on the Enneagram, which yes. is like the, the thrill yes. seeker sort of yes. thing, which you probably are too, I'm a, now that I I'm think about it. three or wing three. two. Okay, yes. there we yeah. go. All right, threes and sevens. All right, we're going to stop nerding out on this. But um, but threes and sevens are similar yes. in that, like, I mean, my perspective is if I'm going to spend money on something, I'd rather have a great experience than a cool thing. Yes. Right? I mean, I like cool things, but but to be able to say, hey, in my own, even in just spending on myself, whether mm-hmm. it's money, time, other resources... To say, okay, us as a family, yeah. we're saying, yeah, well, we're maybe not going to drive as nice a car as we could, or we're not going to live in as big of a house, or we're not going to have, you know, we'll eat a little more inexpensively or whatever. Mm-hmm. Why? Because these are the things that are really life-giving and enjoyable to us, and we want to have the margin to do it. And not just things that cost money, even the margin to say, yep. we don't want to, you know, we don't want mom to work every day exactly. so that we can do these things. And you It's know. a priority. Yeah. And we always say this, we always say this to ourselves. You can afford anything, just not everything. Yeah. So pick what it is. And I love the idea of experiences because I, I am a big fan of experiences. You uh, know that. Yep. And um, the ex- why is because experiences, you can drag people along with you. Yeah. And they can be a part of it. Yeah. A car, it seats five. That's it. Yeah. Bring four friends. But uh, an experience, <laughs> you can bring 50 people to and they get the same level of joy that you're getting. Yep. It's a story to tell. Yeah. It's a memory. Yeah, I'm a huge experience guy. So when I, yeah. I married Susie, who was super practical, right? And so she's like, why in the world do we do that when we could buy a dining room table? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And I was like, dining room table? What? Yeah. Who cares about that? We can sit on the floor. Yeah, let's um, go jump out of a plane. You know, it's, uh, talking about the idea of uh, setting a limit, there's an, uh, you know, it seems like an apocryphal story out there, but um, knowing people that know that person, 
they say it's legit. I just don't know how it practically works out. And that is uh, people like Rick Warren, mm-hmm. right? So oh, yeah. Rick Warren, the idea of living off 10% and giving 90%, uh, because obviously when things hit, with uh, his purpose driven life book and all that stuff, and you know, became a multimillionaire. Um, you know, he talked immediately about, well, I drive the same truck. I, you know, he chose, he put, a, he put a limit on his lifestyle, and he said, well, in order to keep that lifestyle, I can now afford that at 10% mm-hmm. of my income, and therefore I have margin with 90. Now, now that yeah. type of stuff, uh, you know, and it's so crazy because you go, well, that, that's impossible. Okay, so let's say, for example, there are details that we don't know about, right? I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff. I don't, even even a fall short of that is larger than oh, yeah. anything I can imagine. And it's the idea that he was trying to be intentional. He was yeah. trying to set out a limit, whatever it is, and say, the overflow that God will give me, I will then spend on the on, on the world. Yeah. I will spend on the kingdom of God. I will spend, you know, anyway. I just yeah. think that's powerful. And, well, or, yeah. go ahead. Oh, and we serve the God of impossible. Yeah. That's what Amen. We fail to <laughs> to really we read it, we kind of believe it, but when it comes to money we're like, well, it's not that's certainly not what it means. Yeah. But well, we do. We serve the God of impossible and he could do some amazing things if we just put trust. Right. You know, uh, oh sorry. Well, ahead. I was just going to say I I've heard the Rick Warren story too and yeah, I mean, I've heard him talk about it a lot, and obviously I don't know Rick Warren personally, but so I'm going to just speculate here. But but I think that I have to believe that, A, there's a strong sense of mission in him, obviously, mm-hmm. that he knows what his life is for, and his life is for the kingdom, and he wants to leverage his life for the kingdom, and everything I've ever seen ever, Rick, Rick Warren supports that, right? And more than, but then also in addition to that, I think it gets back to the contentment piece we were talking about earlier that I have to believe there's a sense in which he knows who he is. Mm -hmm. He knew who he was when the book blew up, Mm -hmm. but he's like, I'm the same guy I was. I was, I'm happy. I don't need a bunch of extra stuff to make me happy. Mm -hmm. So now God has given me this opportunity and I want to leverage it, not to upgrade and increase and just do stuff that like, it's like, it's not bad. It's just not probably frankly, the use of my dollars that's going to make the biggest impact and bring Mm -hmm. me the most fulfillment. So I'm going to, I'm going to give it away. I love that perspective. Love that. And he's an extreme example, but I think there's room in, in my life and in, in, in all of our lives to say, okay, what does it look like? You know, none of us are probably going to write one of the best selling books of all time, <laughs> but what does it look like with speak for yourself? The, opportunity, the opportunities <laughs> we have. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so far, my, my first two I, have not yeah. been. I'm throwing New my York. manuscript away right now. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. New York time bestseller. Sorry, sorry to crush your dreams. Um, <laughs> uh, so just speaking on that same idea. So, <laughs> Paul, Paul the Apostle said that he, he said, I have the secret to being content. Um, and, and this yeah. idea is that Jesus is my everything and that whatever this world is going to offer is not ultimately going to change that, right? And when he had that, that secret, it talks about this idea of seeking first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Um, a lot of people are thinking, and it kind of gets distorted in some prosperity gospel, right? That if you really seek God, he'll make you rich. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that's missing the entire point, right? I yeah. think the idea is that if you seek God, it begins to purify what you really want or need, right? Yeah. And then and then you start feeling abundant because all the stuff that you truly want, God has given you yeah. Yeah. in abundance. He didn't give you everything that you wanted um, when, you're, when your thoughts were a little astray. Um, so I watched this play out in my life practically. So, um, I, I was raised by a single mom and at the time when the divorce went down, I was seven years old and my mom could not really afford, she was a nurse. She, she was one of those hard workers, very faithful. And I remember hearing this phrase about God as a, um, father to the fatherless and a husband to the widow. Mm-hmm. And I watched God come in and be my, my dad. Now, I have a wonderful relationship with my father, my, my bio father, my earthly father, um, and, and I love him absolutely to pieces. Um, but I, w- I was watching the dynamics of my mom having to engage with difficulties in life and, and uh, you know, going through the seasons where as I was digging out through some of her material in her garage, I found the old food stamps booklets. Oh, mm-hmm. And so I kept those. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember those times when the only Christmas present we had was a, le- uh, you know, on layaway was uh, an electric blanket because we couldn't turn on the heat. I remember the kerosene lamp that we would pour the kerosene into just to, just to heat the house. 
um, uh, a couple years later, uh, my mom walked through cancer. She had colon cancer. And uh, remember her hooked up to all the tubes in the hospital because they didn't catch it early and and um, just watched all these struggles. She ran a business. Yeah. Yeah. Um, started a business when I was 11. And I watched God actually fill out all those pieces. My mom just sold her business. My mom's 82. She just sold her business. And he carried her through all that time. And my mom always sought first the kingdom of God. I had to, um, and she'll be embarrassed about all this because she's super <laughs> private. But anyway, I'm, I'm sure no one's listening to this. <laughs> um, but uh, I just, she was away on a trip taking care of my sister in another state. And I was supposed to take care of her mail. And she's like, hey, can you can you organize the mail? And I'm on a, the board of her business that she... And so I was looking at things, but what was hilarious was sorting her mail. And you know, we all get junk mail and stuff. Mm -hmm. So she had all her pile of junk mail, but she had a stack of all these ministries that she supports. Mm -hmm. And it was always because of your gifts, Karen Hahn, because of your gifts, because of your gift. And it was stack after stack after stack. And I'm going, here is a woman that I remember had nothing. Wow. And and all she did, and so when she asked me, she wanted one, I went back to Israel after she did. I went to Israel. She went first. And then I went to Israel. And she said, uh, Lance, hey, can you buy me one thing that, you know, I'll give you the money for it, right? She's always super generous. She said, uh, there's one thing I want from Israel, and it's the widow's mite necklace. And it's the one where the lady gave all that she had, mm -hmm. that Jesus wow. said she gave all that she had. And so my mom wears it every day, hmm. the widow's mite, because when she had nothing, she still gave. Mm -hmm. And I, so I've watched this practically happen yeah. in my world. Man, that's amazing. That's beautiful. <laughs> I just killed the conversation. I don't even know where I to go from that. That's just like, I think we've, we've <laughs> accomplished what we came drop. here to do. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, that is a, that is a beautiful, beautiful story. Um, I'm going to have a switch gears just, a, just a bit. Um, Another question I think it's worth discussing, and something I wrestle with with my in my own life is is I do think that a lot of Christians, especially Western in you know affluent countries like the United States, a lot of us maybe wrestle with kind of how much is too much. That on the one hand, God calls us to be generous. On the other hand, uh, the Bible does not exalt poverty as like that's not the goal, sure. right? Poverty um, is not necessarily holy. No, yes. neither poverty nor wealth is necessarily holy in and of itself. God invites us, and in, in the passage I, we looked at this last weekend, that uh, God gives gives good gifts for us to enjoy, mm -hmm. that we're meant to enjoy his gifts. How can we strike a proper balance in that area with generosity, getting, getting our resources outside of ourselves on the one hand, while enjoying those gifts uh, on the other hand? Uh, Thoughts on that from either of you? You know, I always think it's it goes back to a heart issue. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of how much is too much, I think you're on the wrong stack of mail already yeah. thinking that. God's going to bless you with what he does, and we are stewards of what we currently have, whether it's a little or a lot. Mm -hmm. And really, the people that have wonderful, wonderful things, I couldn't be more happy for. But mm -hmm. how, are you, how are you utilizing that? There's yeah. a, uh, an old mentor of mine... He, um, he knows this gentleman very well, and he, it was this exact issue. It was a heart issue. Mm -hmm. And so he committed to himself, and he said, anything that I purchase, any large purchases that I make, I double that expenditure, and I give it away to some cause, resource, or need. Because hmm. wow. it makes you, you filter through something different. Yeah. And so if you're going to buy this expensive boat, well, I better come up with the cash to mimic, duplicate that expense to the church or to a home or to a need. And all of a sudden, and he does it, mm -hmm. and he does it, but it it filters through a different lens. Hmm. Wow. I love all these little secret yeah, these like are <laughs> stories. These are cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing, um, I, I, I recently I was down and doing some schooling, and I heard this crazy stat, and it just keeps sticking in my head that – there are more people in India under the poverty line than the entire population of the United States. That's crazy. Wow. That, yeah, that's now, of course, you're talking about that's a massive population in India. But once again, it's this idea that we keep saying, well, I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. I don't have a lot. Mm -hmm. No, you do. I mm -hmm. think that you were even highlighting it in your message. Um, this idea of we are the rich. Mm hmm and you go, well, yep. nah, -uh, I only make, you know, $35,000 a year. Mm -hmm. uh, you're the rich. <laughs> We're talking about globally, 
yeah. right? And then you go, well, that doesn't count. Why doesn't it count? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like, because we're doing comparison with our local neighbors, mm-hmm. and I understand the cost of living is higher here and things like that, sure. and what you can and can't do. You know, you can't just dig up, you know, your neighbor's yard and start making a garden, <laughs> right? Um, but this idea of generosity uh, and enjoyment, um, God wants us to enjoy stuff. I think that if we enjoy stuff, it is good. I just think there's so much stuff that we strive for that we actually don't even really enjoy. Mm-hmm. It's the idea yeah. that I, I bought, you know, hey, everybody, check me out. I bought a $42,000 boat. No, I bought a, an $83,000 boat, and then a $120,000 boat goes by. Mm-hmm. It's got yeah. the internal bladder that allows you to do the the, the wake surfing, and, you know, mm-hmm. and then it's the, the tower, and it has this, and, and instantly your $83,000 boat is not cool anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that souring consistently, not only is there no glory going to God, there's no enjoyment going on in the heart. Yeah. And yet, you know, whether we do these studies, um, you know, sociologists do these studies on the, the happiest nations in the world and the richest nations and the poorest nations, money just does not equate to, to joy. Yeah. Uh, it's really the heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are yeah. wealthy people that are vibrantly alive, that absolutely love every day and they love their Jesus. Mm-hmm. And I go, that is so awesome. And then there are people that don't have a dime. Mm-hmm. And every day they're smiling and they're loving Jesus. Yeah. It's the heart. It goes back, Anthony, to what you were saying. It is that heart condition. If you don't, if, if, if you're not in a good place now, you're not going to be in a better place with more cash. Yeah. You know? So true. Yeah. No, that's, that's, that's absolutely right. I, I think there are, uh, yes, first of all, I don't want to blow by that point without emphasizing it, that the idea that if I can somehow, like kind of salvation through accumulation is a myth, Mm -hmm. right? That the, whatever is making me sad, whatever is making any of us sad or discontent or all of that, if anything, there might be a little quick like endorphin boost when, you know, the Amazon box arrives, but guess what? And toys are fun. They are fun. But guess what? That wears off. (laughs) Um, And I've caught myself in different times, like just way too excited about new stuff. And you realize, oh, wait. And I've even gotten in situations where, like, I know I'm about to get something new, and I remind myself as I get excited, I'm just like, oh, yeah, there's a time when the shirt was new. There yep. was a time when I was, like, waiting so for, true, like, these yeah. shoes to come in the mail, and yep. now they're just, you know what they are? They're my shoes. I put them yep. on in the morning yep. and whatever. So just, I don't know, trying to get get my mind right there. I, I think, I agree with you, Anthony. I think that when you when you ask the question, how much is too much, and that's your... It's sort of like how much can I get away with? Exactly, kind of, kind of a you're on the uh, wrong approach, stack of mail. Which exactly yeah. is is it, it completely gets us gets us off track. I think a better approach. I mean, and, and you guys have shared I think some great examples. Is is a a sense of thankfulness for what whatever it is we've got, mm-hmm. and then to recognize that our enjoyment of it, of whatever it is, whether it's a possession, an experience, or whatever. Our enjoyment of it is less tied to the luxury mm. and more tied to how do we leverage it. Yes. Like, uh, can I utilize? It's like, okay, so I've got a house. Can I utilize? I mean, you guys are pros at this, Anthony. You know, can I utilize <laughs> this house as a place of belonging and togetherness and fun? And and I've been to events at your house, and I don't get the sense from you that you're like, oh, well, we got this house, we better. Better invite people over, I guess. You know? <laughs> like it's life giving for you, right? Like yes. you could have a neighbor down the street who 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 has a similar house and never invites people in, and they're like the, they're not happier than you. Yeah, no, they're they're not. <laughs> I and, mean, I'm making you know fictitious neighbor, of course. But, and people you know. that don't entertain, just to go back to the, that example, they they always think, you know, what if I had a larger house, if I lived in Los Logos, yeah, I'd have lots of people over, right? Bigger homes and this and that. Well, Would you? it just doesn't happen. Yeah, honestly, yeah, I hear it all the time. Is that's yeah. one of the justifications yep. that we usually make for upgrading. Yeah, I'm going to use it for the kingdom, yeah. and then we don't. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think that this is one of the reasons again why we have Anthony here mm-hmm. is that um, you know we had he loved on so much of our staff. I remember yeah. I think it was the kids' way staff, and then it was some of our senior staff, and we all went over and uh, you had the whole small group had on black and white outfits, and it was super cool. You know, this um we we got served and there was, you know, it was a beautiful spread and everything. And once again, no, it's not the biggest house. Now, is it a super cute house? Yeah. Is it is have you done amazing things with it? Absolutely. I still don't believe children actually live there. It's so clean. It's that is beautiful. a great point. That is a great point. Um we yeah. rent them for parties. I was gonna say, yeah, Lily and Lynn are a bit of a figment of imagination. 
Um, but but I think that the fact that you practically utilize it for what it's supposed to be for. Yeah. So that's really good. Uh, how about some other practical things that you have jotted down along the way that, that are kind of in your head that you said, these are good principles that have really helped Julie and I dial so in? We, the first and foremost is this piece of awareness. If you, you can't, you don't know where you're going unless you know where you are currently. Yeah. And so the, we, we track every, every cent that mm-hmm. leaves our household. And it's simply yeah. from an awareness standpoint, yeah. because we go back, we reflect and we have these things called Siler, Siler urine reviews. Julie mm-hmm. hates them. <laughs> hates them. <laughs> That's how I would feel. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> but, but truly we look over everything and we say, okay. We spent this amount of dollars doing this. We spent this much time and energy and resources doing this. Did we get what we want? Did we get the results we thought? Yeah. Is that too much? Is it not enough? What do we want to make changes and tweak for next year mm-hmm. going into that? And so there's an, a complete awareness piece. If you're not tracking what you're spending, there's that's that's step one. You're mm-hmm. missing out because w- from awareness, now you understand. Now you have supporting documentation to make change. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and to so many daily small expenses seem like nothing but accumulate massively mm-hmm. you know the extra like sports drink i throw in the grocery cart at the end of my trip to the grocery store like if that's an extra 2 dollars every grocery i mean maybe that's not an insane amount of money in a year but mm-hmm. like over a lifetime it's a lot yeah. uh, you know these little these little things and and so much of our our random spending that goes undocumented I mean, that's what interferes with generosity and margin and all that stuff, right? Yeah. A number of years ago, I was asked to um, do premarital counseling for a couple that I didn't know very well. They were a very young couple. Um, They were not part of the church, um, and they were friends of somebody that was at the church. And of course, I don't do that anymore, but um, I used to do a ton of that. And so I met with this couple. I remember we met at Dos Coyotes. I remember this. And um, I said, okay, so part of the premarital training and everything, we're going to do a budget. And so, so one, I used to do a six week training and the last two, um, sections were money and sex. Um, it was the idea of what do we mostly argue about? And so let's, let's talk about it right now before we ever get married. Right. And, and so the money se- session is it was, they had to go home and I had a very simple budget and they were supposed to fill it out and everything. Well, we got into this dialogue and I said, so tell me a little bit about how you guys handle money and everything. And they said, you know what? Here's the weird thing. We're a little bit behind every month. But we shouldn't be like what he makes and what I make. We should have about three hundred extra dollars a month, and I'm not sure where it's where it's coming from. And I said, okay, so let's do the budget. That's kind of the point. I'm not telling you what you need to spend. I'm just saying, do you even know where it's going? Mm-hmm. Right. So they did this, but they came back the next week and they said, oh my gosh, we found out where it was. We both smoke, and we were not buying it like at Costco or anything. We would always buy it. And we smoke a lot. <laughs> and they're like, we were always buying a pack and it wasn't in any any grouping. It wasn't in groceries. It wasn't in anything. And they went, we found out we spent about $280 a month on cigarettes. Mm. And they made the decision as a young couple that that was too much. And they quit smoking. It was crazy. <laughs> like it was a financial decision of going, wait yeah. a second, we're doing What? And this is a long time ago when 280 bucks was a lot more <laughs> than it was right now. I mean, hey, that's still it's still, still, still significant. That, you know? <laughs> so, but it was have it. it was this idea that they just simply hadn't known the cost yeah. of certain decisions, and they were thinking to themselves, "Well, we were kind of thinking about quitting anyway. This isn't worth it." And so I think that some part of the practical thing of even knowing where your money goes is it starts putting a cost to it. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. So if you spend all that on eating out, has it been awesome food? And you're like, well, it's largely Taco Bell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. I'm not no crush on Taco Bell. I I go there myself. <laughs> but um, the idea is you just spend a ton of cash. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I'm still trying to wrestle through in my life because what I'm really buying is convenience. Yep, yep, that's true. I, I don't want to go home and fix something. I want I want it right now. And then all of a sudden I'm I'm angry because I'm trying to always keep my weight down. And yet <laughs> you're eating something that doesn't Does process in your body. And so you know that. what I'm saying? And so you start looking at cost and you start yep. saying, is this the wisest decision for me? Um, but usually we can just live in ignorance. Yeah. La 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 and oh, just yeah. keep running. Yeah. Well, and well, I think or, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say along the lines with the, the budget piece, creating that awareness is is invaluable. 
The second piece to that, which gets um, into the idea of, of more margin, is applying not only a dollar amount to those th- those categories, but now applying an a time, an hour, a minute amount to those categories. Because what now you get into is what we call life energy. Yep. And then you look back and go, I'm not only spending this much, but I'm investing this much time in it. Yep. And that's how not only you get margin in finances, but you get margin in time. Yeah. I told this story Saturday night. I was doing something. Uh, my wife still has a paper calendar. She keeps uh-huh. it to the drawer left of the sink. Uh-huh. We get made fun of everywhere we go. <laughs> but what happens is when they say, can you do it? And everyone pulls out their phone and says, yes, yes, yes. We have to say, let, let us go home and look at our calendar and we'll get back to you. Mm-hmm. And just that 24-hour period, just that drive home, that dialogue of saying, is this something we want to do? Are we? What other events are scheduled? Are we overcommitted? Are we not? Will we have the margin to even spend time together? It directs our decision. Hmm. That's interesting. I have to admit, yeah. he's a bit of an alien. Yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> the more a, he talks, the more I'm like, like you're not hmm. from here, are you? <laughs> you're not but, from here. Well, and here's, here's an important thing I want to point out, that when it comes to money, when it comes to time, and stewarding and leveraging those things, mm-hmm. and, and this awareness component <clears throat> that both of you have referred to, I want to kind of get back to something we were talking about earlier, because it's less about, like, let's say you look at your budget, and you say, wow, we spent... Uh, X amount of dollars eating out this month. Mm-hmm. That's a lot. Well, let's say you really love food. Let's say that, that you and your spouse, yeah. you really bond over going out and enjoying different food together. Fantastic. Love it. But if you're like, no, I just eat to fuel my body and I don't care. Like, yep. that's the thing. Like, I gave you the example. I only told the story and I think one or two services this last, last weekend where I, I talked about, like, I drive an old car. Like, we've got a, a nicer car that, you know, we use to transport our kids, but I drive an old car. And I very seriously considered upgrading it a while ago. And I did some research and looking at the costs and all that. And, like, you know, I can make it work. I can sure. afford it. And then, But then I realized, I'm like, why? Because I don't care about cars. I don't need to. Like, I, this car works. The AC works. I get good gas mileage. Like, it's fine. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't need it. And I was very clear to say the point <laughs> isn't it's wrong, it, it's wrong to upgrade. A person in my same position who really likes to drive, who really values the experience, who understands cars better than I do, which does not take much. (laughs) For them, maybe that's a worthwhile expense because it really is going to improve their quality of life because they're willing to give the time and the money that it takes. So the point in all of this isn't to say, okay, well, money devoted to vacations is bad. Money devoted to, I don't know, food is good. The point is, does your spending reflect your values? And does your spending leave room for just general margin and then for generosity? Exactly. And if the answer to those two questions is yes, and then you're leveraging whatever you're doing Mm -hmm. with the rest of it uh, for good things, okay. Like that's the point, you know? And to bring that point, which are amazing points, full circle, is when you start doing that, contentment takes care of itself. And you care less and less about other people and worrying about what they have because you're so focused on what you value yeah. and what you've decided to value as a family. You, you're, you have your marching orders. Yeah. Now you're just running. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So good. And, and, um, uh, just one more point. I would love to know if there's anything that we didn't cover, uh, Mr. Anthony about, about different things that you've learned throughout the time. I mean, um, I'd love to hear more from you. Um, but I think that I, I remember the fear now, it's been a long, long time ago, but I remember the fear of doing a budget, the idea that it was going to somehow take from you. Yeah, yeah, me too. I remember that nervousness of going, I don't want to write it down because somehow it's going to make me, make something make me sad. And I think that what you just talked about, um, Pastor Brian, was the idea of it can actually set you free, that no one is an external watching over it and judging you. Yeah. You get to make that determination to be able to say, this does matter to me. Yeah. You know, um, I think right now my spending is way out of control on comic books. I'm just pointing that out. <laughs> I'm just letting you know I have it's issues. It's part of my yes. debt problem. Um, but let's say that, you know, it was under control, but for me that there was a joy that was attached to collecting. Mm-hmm. As long as there's room for it, and, and yeah. you said that's more important than mm-hmm. something else. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. And it's that I think that so many of us are not living even thinking about what we're purchasing or mm-hmm. thinking about how we're living. And then we end up feeling just odd about our lives. We feel like there's a lot of waste, but we're not sure why. Sure. But uh, once again, for all of those that are listening that you're nervous about budgets, budget is specifically a tool of communication. 
Yeah. It is not primarily a judgment tool, right? So yeah. we're mm-hmm. not making any judgments yet. We're just saying, okay, so it's a puzzle. So how does this puzzle work? So any other thing, I didn't want to cut you off. I feel like you have all the all the knowledge over there, Mr. Andrew. No, not, not all, all of the knowledge. I, yeah, no I, pressure. I am don't screw this up. <laughs> yeah, don't screw this up. I am learning every single day. And this just goes back to the point of we have this little book called a Bible, and our marching orders are in that. And if we're not in it daily, if we're not understanding the principles of generosity and margin and time and all those things um, – I always ask, where's the fruit? Yeah. In anything we do, where's the fruit? Where did the glory go? Yeah. Did the glory go to God? Did it go to us? Because there's a problem if it goes to us. And Julie checks me on that all the time. Mm-hmm. Where's the glory going? And how can we revamp this next time? What does yeah. that look like? And if we're, I mean, again, these are our marching orders. Mm-hmm. We know what we're supposed to do. And now it's just putting a setback calendar and some practical actions into place to make it a reality. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. no, that's man. That's great. Okay. So last, last question. And this, this is going to maybe rehash a little bit of, of things we've already talked about. Cause we have talked a lot about generosity and we've talked a whole lot about contentment, which mm-hmm. is really cool. I didn't really know where our conversation <laughs> was going to go, but like, I think any conversation about money, especially from a Christian perspective, you have to talk about contentment and where does yeah. our contentment come from and identity and, and Well, and all if of there's that. discontent, you're going to end up running away from it. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. You, you can only do that, which makes you discontent for so long. <laughs> right. So, um, but I just want to, just, just as we begin to wrap up in, in each of you, and, and I'll share a little bit about this too, in your life personally, the connection between generosity and contentment, how, how do those things fit together in, in your life and how have you seen how have you seen ways that maybe a lack of generosity could either for you or just in general lead to less contentment because I think everyone's fear is if I'm if I give more away I'm gonna be less content right like how have you seen that that's not true yeah so immediately I think of I mean contentment leads to generosity and we can all see that very easy the less we have the more we're able to give but it's the the converse, which is, can generosity lead to contentment? And yeah. absolutely, it it can. And I was jotting a few things down in, in preparation. And how does first leading with generosity, if I don't have that contentment, how does that look? And I, and a couple things that came to mind were, I begin to appreciate what I what I already own, immediately. Yeah. Okay, um, I I lead a more fulfilled life. One can lead a much more fulfilled life. I find meaning outside of possessions. Mm-hmm. It ties, it, it breaks that tie down. Yeah. Um, more fulfilled relationships. And then uh, less desire for more. Those mm-hmm. were like the four to five things that I was thinking about as, because the first one is pretty easy to make a, a, a connection to, but it's mm-hmm. the opposite. Can generosity lead to contentment? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's good. How about you, Lance? Um, so I'm, my answer is going to be quite suspect because I am a people pleaser. Yes. I'm a people pleaser. (laughs) And honestly, um, making other people's day makes my day. So the idea, if I would give something away and it would make them smile, I feel really good. So now there's good and bad in that. Like that's, that's kind of a cool problem to have. Right. But why am I doing what's a real motivator? Right. I think it's some of it's, is, is still more, more selfish based, but literally like, for example, um, I have a boat. Why do I have a, mm-hmm. why I have a boat? First of all, it was given to me for free. Mm-hmm. So that's why I have a boat. <laughs> that, <laughs> but, that's the uh, main reason. That is the main reason. <laughs> Best boats to have. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but boats, you know, here's the deal. What I realized is as much as I like being on the water, um, and all that stuff. And I love being out there on the water. Really, if I was by myself, it'd be lame. And, and, and I'm like, I'm like, you know what? Probably most everything that I want to do usually ends up turning into a story because I'm a communicator. So I love stories. I love being around people. I love that type of atmosphere. And the idea that if I went, man, I have $100, because I'm not really a guy that likes a whole lot of stuff, $100 doesn't buy me much. I'm like, anything that would be kind of cool is probably more than 100 bucks. So, but if I give that hundred bucks to somebody mm. and I have this super cool feeling of going, oh my gosh, they totally got loved on. Then all of a sudden I'm all hyped for a while mm-hmm. because, so I, like I said, it's a bit suspect because it makes me feel good to make other people smile. Mm. And, and I feel like generosity makes me feel like, 
oh, good, I finally did something good with it. Like, yeah. I, I totally could have screwed that up and bought more comic books. <laughs> you know what I mean? And, and I had to shove it away into something positive, and they were loved on. The kingdom was advanced, mm-hmm. and I'm like, thank the Lord I finally did something mature, right? You know, the, that's <laughs> right. so good. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. So that's funny that as you were talking, it, it reminded me of this is kind of a silly story. So when I was in college, I remember my uh, one of my – one of my best buddies, he he like sold his car to some guy that worked at a golf course in Palm Desert. And my buddy was a really good golfer. And I had not totally given up golf by that point. I have since <laughs> totally given up golf. Clearly. But <laughs> clearly, we were just a top golf. It was miserable. Anyway, no, it was really fun, except for the golf. Anyways, not the point. So we go out to so my buddy and I, we drive out to Rancho Mirage and we stay with my grandmother, who lived in Rancho Mirage at the time. And we stay overnight with her. We have a nice time. It's all good. And then in the morning, we're getting up and we're getting ready to go out and go play golf because this guy that my friend sold his car to was going to get us on his course for free or, you know, whatever. And my grandma, as we're getting ready to go, she hands me $40. And I'm like, no, grandma, you don't need to, you know. And then, hey, listen, I'm in college. I'm 20. That's a lot of money, <laughs> right? But I'm like, grandma, no, no, no. You don't need to give me four. I don't need money. Like, our golf is paid for. Like, you've let us stay. No, you don't need to do that. And she, you know, we kind of go back and forth for a minute. And ultimately, she insists. She's like, Brian, no, take the money. So I'm like, okay, fine. All right. Well, thank you, grandma. And we go. And we're driving to the course. And my buddy said this to me. He said, Brian, did you think about that maybe there is nothing she'd rather do with that $40 and give it to you? Mm. And that it actually is really joyful for her to give you that money? So in a sense, for you to receive it is you're actually, you're, you're, she's doing something for you, but you're also doing something back for her. Mm-hmm. And I've never forgotten that as I think I, in a people pleasing sense, like I get nervous about receiving as well. Like, oh no, 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 you shouldn't have, or oh, this and that. And the, like, but to realize what do you, what do you want when somebody gives you something? Do, if, if, if you give me something, do you want me to say, oh no, 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 Anthony, you shouldn't do that. What do you want from me? You want me to enjoy receive it? it. Yeah. And you want me to say thank mm-hmm. you yes. and you want me to be happy. Yeah. Right. So I think that ironically, part of being generous actually is being able to receive appropriately, yeah. not in a hoarding way, but in a receptive way. But then, and, and then with that, to let that turn around and inspire generosity in you. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe it is absolutely true that you're never going to find an unhappy, generous person mm-hmm. that ultimately what you said, Anthony, a moment ago is absolutely true that when we can get a picture of generosity when we can get a picture of of kind of to your point lance what does it look like to use my money to just make somebody else happy to make their day to let something go well for them to to help somebody who doesn't have or somebody who does have just kind of say hey this is a tangible way for me to show appreciation for you like you start to get a vision for that and it's just fun it's just fun it is a net add it is a net benefit to your life. I mean, if there's one sort of prosperity gospel, I will endorse. It is not the giveaway and then God's going to make you rich. It's it's giveaway and you're going to see the richness of generous living. That mm-hmm. is so cheesy, yeah, but I think good. it's true. No, it's true. So, cheesy anyway. but true. Yeah, yes. cheesy but true. Brian Kiley. That'll be <laughs> yeah. my life motto. So, anyway. Man, this was a lot of fun. Oh, this was great. So, this was really cool. Thank you so much Anthony for for making the time and and coming in here and Absolutely. Being with us. And uh, thanks to thanks to you, Lance, for, for you know, coming back for season two. Amen. Yeah. Man, we're, I'm we're, all in. This is going to be a great season. I know you're season. all in. It's going to be a lot of fun. Thanks to all of you for listening. Hope that this was helpful for you. Um, man, I said this weekend that if you are stressed about money, you're stressed. Uh, so part of the reason why we had this conversation was to hopefully give some practical tools to be a little bit less stressed about money, uh, to live kind of facing outwards and, and live generously and to be able to see the joy in that. So thank you to you for listening. We will see you in two weeks for the next episode of Engaging Culture. Thank you for listening to Engaging Culture, a podcast by Bridgeway Christian Church. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening. Music is used under the Creative Commons license and is provided by Dexter Britton.